Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. I'm noticing a theme here, Jim. I'm noticing a pattern. We're getting closer to Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year, and we still don't have a good martini today, but we do have... Uh, a bunch of not great martinis. Uh, let's call them two bads and a crazy. And we're brought to you today by the Headspace app. And uh, Jim, let's start with um, bad martini number one. This goes back quite a ways now, almost a year, as a matter of fact, uh, to China's handling of the initial outbreak of the coronavirus. We know that uh, they lied to the world. They lied to the World Health Organization, which for some reason just took their word for it. Uh, but now we also know how China manipulated its own media. I mean, it's a communist state, so of course they already manipulate their own media. But the lengths to which they did so on a micro level is pretty amazing here. And we actually have to give some credit to the New York Times here uh, for bringing this story to our attention over the weekend. First of all, the, the Times quotes a um, expert on media uh, from uh, University of California, Berkeley, and the founder of China Digital Times saying, China has a politically weaponized system of censorship. It is refined, organized, coordinated, and supported by the state's resources. It's not just for deleting something. They also have a powerful apparatus to construct a narrative and aim it at any target with huge scale. This is a huge thing, he added. No other country has that. So how did this work in the In the case of the coronavirus, well, agency workers began receiving links to virus-related articles that they were to promote on local news aggregators and social media. Directives, again, from the government, specified which links should be featured on news sites' home screens, how many hours they should remain online, and even which headlines should appear in boldface. Online reports should play up the heroic efforts by local medical workers dispatched to Wuhan, the Chinese city where the virus was first reported, as well as the vital contributions of Communist Party members, the orders said. Headlines should steer clear of the words incurable and fatal, one directive said, to, quote, avoid causing societal panic. When covering restrictions on movement and travel, the word lockdown should not be used. And multiple directives emphasized that negative news about the virus was not to be promoted. Uh, The story goes on to point out that there was a point system, big surprise in China with their social credit system, and sites that uh, didn't police negative comments and so forth, lost points, and those who did exactly what the communists wanted them to do uh, kept their 100 score and actually could add points if they were super, super cooperative. So... Jim, I mean, it's commies. They dictate the media. We've seen this for generations. But uh, at a time when the rest of the world would kind of like some truth, uh, China was even worse than we realized. Yeah, and I guess we should begin by saying, yes, good job, New York Times. Uh, This is the kind of journalism around China we need more of. And you'd really like to see this uh, permeate the thinking of the United States whenever it comes to dealing with China on just about any issue. But I think the pandemic is probably the Uh, Exhibit 1A, underline it in red, and then put a giant flashing neon sign above it uh, for this. Because just a couple of days ago, China threw out a bunch of Western journalists, not all of them, but a big chunk of them. There are still some there. And a couple of days ago in Reuters, uh, they reported straight from Wuhan, China, about a crowded Wuhan beer hall. It had a big food fight. And it's basically made Wuhan, China right now sound like a giant party town you would think, wow, China's a really fun, happy place. They've completely beaten the virus. And boy, these are terrific. 
Uh, and this is undoubtedly exactly the message the Chinese government would want the world to go out. It is a story of Chinese triumphalism. It is a story of this. Now, all of this is separate from the Soviet controlling and crackdown that we're talking about earlier in the year. But here's the thing. If the Chinese government will not allow Chinese media to report the truth, and if Chinese government will not allow Chinese social media to report the truth, the only option we have are those few Western reporters in there who can call them as they see them. And I don't know whether Reuters um, really thought, hey, let's do, a, let's do a story on how great life in Wuhan, China is, or whether they certainly they feel a certain obligation to point, write these kinds of stories, to stay on good terms with their Chinese government. That if they go too negative, these same forces of censorship and oppression and this desire to stamp out any bad news, regardless if it's true, that we see at work in the cyber world, in this you know, social media area, will come down as a clampdown on those few remaining Western journalists in China. Um, look, the Chinese government lies all the time. They lie when they don't have to. They lie uh, when the stakes are extremely high, like with the, the contagiousness of the virus in the early days of the pandemic. And this has to affect the way we see them and the way we treat them on issue after issue. And my fear is that it's not. My fear is that this is seen as some sort of... Um, uh, Trumpian uh, knee-jerk hostility, Biden's getting back into office and things will go back to normal. And I'm making air quotes as I say normal. Uh, the rumor that Robert Iger, the head of Disney, could be the next ambassador to China is another glaring, you know, turn on the drudge siren level signal. The Biden administration wants things to go, quote unquote, back to normal with China and to learn nothing from 2020. So uh, good job, New York Times. I hope this permeates the thinking of the incoming Biden administration. I'm not terribly optimistic. And my fear is that Biden, who's been a relatively pro-China voice throughout his entire time in Washington, is not going to break that habit. And we're going towards a new era of you know, soft policies towards a what, we, what this article illustrates is a thoroughly totalitarian regime. Absolutely right. And Jim, this town is full of terrible takes. Uh, but one of the worst ones I've seen in response to this story is, see, look what's happening in China. See how much better we are here. You guys are all worried about social media flagging and sometimes blocking posts or uh, mainstream media deciding which stories to cover or not. It's not like the government's dictating it to them. Okay, so not being as bad as China is not the bar we're trying to clear here. Uh, it's a free press as outlined in the First Amendment to the Constitution. So when uh, mainstream media just decide, for example, stories about Hunter Biden uh, don't belong on the front page because it might hurt their preferred candidate, even though it turns out there absolutely is a federal investigation, that's still not good. Is it Beijing bad? Probably not. But it's still really, really bad. And that's uh, not something we should be accepting. You know, Greg, being more tolerant than the Chinese government <laughs> is like being less weird than Michael Jackson. Like good, <laughs> but you can do better than that. That's really not a difficult thing. That's kind of like, you know, uh, uh, it's kind of like being in better shape than me. All right. Well, if you're trying to figure out what in the world the Chinese are up to, uh, good luck. You're gonna have to clear your head after you learn about all the terrible things China has done to deceive its own people and the world this year. But look, life can be stressful, and 2020 makes it even more stressful. And uh, relief for that stress needs to go beyond the quick fixes, and that's where Headspace comes in. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations and an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps that is advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever your situation, 
Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Our chief of operations here at Radio America has said that several of my Radio America colleagues have found Headspace very helpful during this long and stressful year. Better sleep, better focus, just a better overall mood. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and more than 60 million downloads. So feel happier. Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash martini. That's headspace.com slash martini for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. It's the best deal offered right now, so head to headspace.com slash martini today. All right, Jim, let's move on to our second bad martini, but I think there's potentially a twinge of craziness to it here. Um, We obviously have uh, two vaccines now approved for use. Uh, The Pfizer vaccine's been uh, been shipped out now for more than uh, a week. I believe I saw a report that over half a million doses have already uh, been administered. And obviously, in a country of more than 300 million, there's a long way to go, plus the second round. So uh, we're just starting. Uh, but the Moderna vaccine's also been given the go-ahead by the FDA as well. But uh, a slight new wrinkle has been added to the story, and that is that there is a variant strain of uh, the coronavirus that's been detected in the United Kingdom. We don't know how different it is, whether it's resistant to the vaccines that have just been approved or whether the vaccines would help but not perhaps have the same effectiveness as against the virus that it was tested against in the first place. Uh, But right now, the response is to basically ostracize the United Kingdom. Uh, France and much of Europe has essentially cut off uh, travel. Even freight from France has been cut off, uh, at least momentarily. Canada has banned flights. Governor Cuomo is whining about flights still coming in from the United Kingdom. And obviously, you don't want to have a major setback here, Jim. But uh, you've got folks like Scott Gottlieb and others out there saying, look, uh, the uh, the idea that this has mutated beyond the point where the vaccine would have any effect uh, is unlikely at this point. And these these sorts of viruses do mutate, usually little by little. But uh, what do you make uh, of the response? Is this the, the result of uh, 12 months of uh, immediately swinging into action here as a result of this virus, or is this overreaction? First thing people should keep in mind is that they detected this strain back in September. So this is not something that just happened, and we all have to go to def- metaphorical DEFCON 1 and uh, run around in a tizzy and be in a panic about it. Uh, second thing you got to keep in mind is that this is, yes, more contagious, but it is not more virulent. Virulent meaning, you know, hits your body harder, uh, worse effects, more likely to kill you. It's none of those things. That's the good news. I mean, given a, given a choice between a virus that is more contagious or more virulent, I'll take more contagious. That That's much uh, much more likely. Immediately, they put a whole bunch of travel restrictions um, to, to the rest of Europe. And I understand Governor Cuomo, who previously thought the travel bans on China were xenophobic and overreactions and all that stuff, now wants to have travel bans from the UK to New York. Not that a lot of people are traveling between these two points to begin with. Look, that's, that strikes me as an overreaction because, as I said, this virus has been floating around on their end. Uh, you don't have to worry about it regarding the vaccinations. The vaccinations should work for, for all of these strains. The other thing is that Maybe this is an attribution to, you know, science fiction. Maybe we can blame the Ninja Turtles for this. People hear the word mutate. 
or mutation, and they all of a sudden think it's it's something new and scary and dangerous. Viruses are constantly evolving. They are constantly growing and changing. And most of these, you're right, Greg, most of these changes are imperceivable and don't really change much about how the virus attacks the human body. Uh, it means that the genetic code is changing, that uh, you know, the, the DNA proteins are, are altering a little bit from generation to generation, but it's not radically increasing how likely it is to kill you. It's not making it more likely to um, uh, give you a really severe reaction or anything. Uh, you know, this is this is something that most geneticists and virologists figure was going to happen sooner or later. Uh, more contagious, we can live with. More virulent, then we have to, you know, be worried about it. So uh, Scott Gottlieb, um, uh, other U.S. officials are saying, look, this is pretty much uh, same same virus, more more contagious. And, uh, you know, it is probably a good reason to get vaccinated uh, because if it's, you know, I, I have wondered, I guess one of the big fears has been is at some point, does it change enough that if you caught the, you know, let's say generation 1.0 uh, COVID-19, does your body still know how to fight it off? Good news is these vaccines apparently are, are, are well situated to affect uh, or to fight off any, most variations and very, uh, you know, mutations of this virus. So you don't need to panic about it. If you have somebody coming over from the UK, you probably want to Keep your standard precautions, masks, keep your distance, you know, if you want to get tested, get tested. But uh, uh, all in all, this is, you know, it, it feels like this is one more scare right before the holidays just when we don't need it. Basically, whatever Cuomo's position is, uh, think very, very hard about taking the opposite <laughs> position. Do so. the opposite. <laughs> Particularly if it involves talking to Chris Cuomo. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next. All right. Well, let's uh, as long as we're talking about COVID, let's stay there for our final crazy martini here, Jim. And let's talk about uh, the vaccine distribution process here. We talked on Friday about the unconscionable uh, idea from Harold Schmidt from the University of Pennsylvania that the elderly should not go before uh, many, many, many frontline workers way beyond the hospitals because the elder people are whiter. So, you know, it's a chance to level the playing field a bit. In his words, I think he's taken quite a bit of heat for that. Hopefully he's changing his mind. Uh, but what should the order be? Uh, we've seen some uh, members of Congress take the vaccine now. And at first you uh, see Pence take it on national TV. I think the Surgeon General did too. Uh, then you found out Pelosi and McConnell got it. And you're like, okay, well, they're older and they're in the leadership. So you want to make sure that the people in those positions, I guess, are not uh, at risk of getting this at this point. And then you find out that everybody in Congress is getting this, not just old people, not just people uh, in the terms of the, the, the chain of succession, but Marco Rubio got it. AOC got it. It's fine that they want to get it, but why are they getting it so soon? And that's exactly what Florida Congressman Brian Mast wants to know. He's an Army veteran, and you might remember he lost both legs uh, in service to this country. He wrote, asking Americans to wait to get vaccinated while Congress cuts the line is the opposite of leadership. Congress needs to stop treating itself as a special political class, and the mere suggestion that members of Congress are in any way more important than the very people who gave us the privilege of serving in Congress is appalling. He's not even given Pelosi a free pass on this. In fact, he might even be saving the harshest words for her. He says, leaders eat last. 
It's one of the first lessons a soldier learns as early as basic training. Speaker Pelosi apparently never learned this lesson. So, Jim, I know it's going to shock a lot of people that uh, Congress uh, is considers itself perhaps more important and needs to get to the front of the line ahead of the American people. The congressional physician is the one who told them that it was available, so I'm not sure who ultimately made the call. But when you see young, healthy people, regardless of their job, getting this before the more vulnerable and the people on the front lines, it makes it pretty mad. Yeah, I mean, for members of Congress, it's a catch-22 in some ways, because if they say, no, I'm not getting vaccinated, even though I've been told by the authorities I'm eligible now, then, you know, the anti-vaxxers will seize upon us and say, see, even Congressman so-and-so doesn't want to get vaccinated because you'll grow two heads or, or any of that nonsense stuff there. I don't have a problem with Pelosi getting the uh, the vaccination, both for age purposes uh, and just for the fact that, you know, we whether or not you like the fact that we need continuity of government, the Speaker of the House is third in line. We want to keep those people upright and well as long as we can. I, I don't have an issue with that. I do think Mast makes some very valid points there that if you are a healthy member of Congress and you're at no particular reason to think you would um, have a severe reaction, you're not immunocompromised, you have no comorbidities, as they say, no other factors that you're at risk, then there's probably no harm in you waiting until February or March or, or later. We do know that your odds of surviving an encounter with COVID-19 are well north of 90-some percent. And, you know, particularly if you're young and healthy, and probably they're going to be fine. Um, I do know that, however, that we, we are in this, this situation where the media is going to go after members of Congress either way. If Marco Rubio had said, I don't want to get the vaccine until later, he would probably be accused by somebody of undermining public faith in the vaccine and all that stuff. I think it's good to see Mitch McConnell getting it. I think it's good to see Pence. I think it's good to see uh, everybody who's, you know, they've said is, hey, you're qualified, get them in there to say, hey, you're, you're not going to grow a second head. You're not going to have a strong reaction. Yes, I know there was that video of that nurse who fainted and that was, you know, like, decided that was the uh Greg, by the way have you noticed that this a lot of the same people who insist the virus isn't that dangerous are often the same people who are telling you the vaccine is super duper dangerous kind of this idiot you know, it seems absolutely backwards to me that uh that's the case but anyway so i i'm not going to make an enormous stink about it although i do think mast has a good point of like you know we probably should start with the elderly or immunocompromised members of congress and if you're young and healthy, you you can wait until 2021. You're probably going to be fine. There are probably people out there who need the vaccine more than you do. It's great that we now have both Moderna. We have Pfizer and Moderna's coming along. Oxford's a little bit behind that and Johnson & Johnson a little bit behind that. When you hear the Biden administration saying we're going to have a very, very dark, dark winter and we might need to wear masks for 100 days and Biden even made a comment suggesting the schools should be closed for another 100 days, which is, is nonsense on stilts. Look, we're going to have a whole bunch of vaccines coming in. Right now, we don't have, we're going with the first responders first. That makes perfect sense. They're the ones who are going to be interacting the most. We need to keep them upright and well so that they can take care of other people who are uh, really struggling with the disease. I think the new CDC guidelines make perfect sense. The, the argument you had to do it based on race is, is, you know, again, nonsense on stilts. If people of certain ethnic groups are having a tougher time, it is often because of comorbidities and other factors. It is because often because of uh, immunocompromised, diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, uh, you know, all of these traditional factors we've identified from very early on as being the sort of things that would make you more likely to have a very severe reaction to this virus. So if you target people who have those problems, first of all, nobody's going to object to it. Nobody's going to say, oh, you know, uh, cancer patients, you should go to the back of the line. <laughs> you know, most people are going to say, okay, yeah, those people, they have an immune system that's not up to 100%. We should take care of them first. 
Um, and if that ends up including more members of minorities, then fine, great, let's do it that way. But you don't run around looking like, uh, uh, well, it depends on what shade this, your skin color is. And that's what decide where you'll be in, in online, uh, online to get the vaccine. So um, hopefully we can all sort this stuff out. It, it is kind of infuriating. Um, and, and I kind of, I, I will give Mast credit for at least acknowledging the uh, incongruent optics, shall we say, of young, healthy members of Congress getting uh, vaccinations uh, before, you know, everybody in, say, nursing homes or other people who are at much higher uh, uh, levels of risk of having a severe issue with COVID-19. Well, I know it's going to shock a lot of people that a lot of members of Congress think they're better than us. I think the best example of that is today, Jim, when they took our tax money and uh, gave some people a little bit of it left and expect a huge thank you. Uh, I mean, ho- hopefully it does. Ha- hopefully it does help families in need. Uh, but it's another uh, an- another example of, uh, you know, we're paying the bills and then getting a little bit of change back is uh, supposed to be something we're supposed to be falling down on our faces in gratitude for. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, political. Note class. to Congress. Don't talk about what a rough year it's been for you. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear it. Everybody's had a rough year. Wow. Jim, have a good day. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Also, don't forget about subscribing to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. Uh, You can also leave a five-star rating and a kind review. We're always grateful for those. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great day, and please join us Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.